Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com. You're listening to the FT Money Show, brought to you by Investors Chronicle and FT Money. Hello and welcome to the FT Money Show. In today's programme, a long-awaited interest rate cut, but will it alleviate the borrowing problems now faced by more homeowners and credit card holders? Any port in a storm? Can a new shipping fund offer an alternative to volatile equity investments? Clean energy funds? Can these keep motoring ahead under their hybrid power, presumably, even in a bear market? And we have some good news and bad news on currencies. I'm Matthew Vincent and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form. With the help of my colleagues from FT Money, Steve Lodge. Hello. And Charlene Goff. Hello. So let's start with the money news then. This week we've finally had the much expected quarter points cut in interest rates. But given that's in the US, uh, rates have come down by one and a quarter percent in just a matter of weeks. I mean, is this Bank of England move too little to help indebted consumers in the UK? Steve, what do you think it'll mean for people with mortgages? Well, Matthew, obviously for people on fixes, no change whatsoever. People on existing borrowers, on trackers, their mortgages will come down point for point. So they will come down a quarter point, probably though they might have to wait a couple of weeks till the end of the month. The interesting question is what lenders will do for people on variable rate mortgages. These are mortgages maybe on a discount, maybe not, maybe priced off the underlying standard variable rate. Will they pass on the full quarter point? Who knows? And for for new mortgages out there, of course, as well, recently, if if you've been looking for mortgages, you'll find that they'd be more expensive. The discounts are less attractive and so on. Um, Whether the the quarter point cut will be passed on into that pricing is also an open question. Let's let's turn to savers now. Uh, We've seen in recent weeks some of the rates available on accounts, particularly uh, particularly one-year bonds, not really having an awful lot to do with the prevailing Bank of England base rates and being all about what a particular bank uh, needs to to raise in terms of capital. Is that situation going to continue? I think so, yes. I mean, you are going to get... I mean, generally speaking, a rate cut has got to be bad bad news for savers. Most people are on variable rate savings accounts. And I think banks and building societies are likely to continue to differentiate between what they call the back book, i.e. the people who've got old accounts they've forgotten about, the ones not in the front shop window, and they will get the full quarter point cut or possibly even more. They will continue, though, at the same time to have these shop window um, attractive offers, whether they're fixed rates or indeed variable rates, that will continue to seem to almost ignore what's happening in the underlying base rate movements. 
Charlene, uh, you've been looking at uh, some of the sort of credit difficulties that we've heard about this week as well, uh, with uh, holders of the egg credit card. Uh, discovering that uh, their customer isn't, isn't wanted an increase in repossessions as well. Will something as relatively small as a quarter point cut in interest rates um, alleviate any credit difficulties that people uh, are in? Or are loans, mortgages, credit cards now being priced according to customer risk rather than cost? Well, that's exactly it. They are increasingly being priced according to risk. So if a customer has got a very clean credit record and isn't likely to run into any affordability problems in the near future, they should be okay. But increasingly those people who have missed a payment, even something very minor, such as a mobile phone bill maybe, um, or a council tax payment, something like that, they could struggle to um, get further credit in future, whether that's a credit card or if they want to remortgage, extend their mortgage, something like that. That could still be trickier for them even though base rates have come down. So if you were on um, a variable rate mortgage as as Steve has just described it and you you wanted to move to something that was cheaper perhaps a, a, a tracker or a fixed rate remortgaging may not be as easy as it once was. That's definitely true. And um, people even, um, you know, people with, with good salaries could come in for a bit of a shock when they look to remortgage because they might find their lender takes a more thorough look at their past record, um, looking for any sign that they could default in future. Um, and people, you know, could be taken by surprise there. Also, the other thing is for people with um, big credit card debt, um, other loans... Lenders don't tend to price those according to the base rate, so rates there could stay very high. Um, there's a significant tightening up among credit card lenders, uh, so people who've got that extra debt um, might not see the benefits. Steve, you've got a particularly good uh, mortgage rate at the moment, but I suppose the big question is, uh, is your credit history good enough to, to remortgage when it, when it runs out? Oh, well, I suspect my credit history is appalling, Matthew, but, <laughs> but, I, but I, think, I, mean, I think lenders are increasingly accepting things like low loan-to-value. People who've had mortgages for a long period of time, like old, old men like myself, um, you know, have relatively low loan-to-values. Now, um, so I'm turning around to my mortgage lender and saying, you know, really, what is the risk here? You have so much equity you could draw on before a potential negative equity type situation um, occurred. So why not give me the best deal? But um, yes, I, uh, I, I think I'm five, four, seven, nine or something. But I think you're even better. Um, I have a slightly lower rate. But uh, like you, I'm going to face the remortgaging uh, uh, issue uh, later this year, which will be um, interesting for us. For us both, and I imagine for lots of our listeners. And for more on uh, the interest rate cuts on repossessions and credit cards, you can read Steve and Charlene's articles in FT Money with the Weekend FT on the 9th and 10th of February and online at ft.com forward slash money. You can also send in your questions about borrowing and saving uh, for us to answer by emailing us at ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com. Still to come in the programme, can you be a green investor and clean up, even if stock markets take further falls? And we have some good news and bad news on currencies and exchange rates. But first, alternative investments. 
As fund managers search for asset classes that are uncorrelated with equity markets, one in particular has gone further than most. Marine Capital has announced the launch of Eclipse Shipping Limited, the first UK-based vehicle to offer private investors the chance to buy into container ships. In theory, shipping should be more immune from a UK and US economic downturn as it benefits from the strong global trade with India and China and the valuable trade in oil. So to find out more, Ellen Kelleher from FT Money went to meet the chief executive of Marine Capital, Anthony Foster. So, Tony, shipping offers an interesting opportunity for investors looking for assets that are uncorrelated with the equity markets. Can you tell us a little bit more about this company that you're running and how investors can take part in it? The company is itself an English company which operates as a fund, but uh, quite simply the investors uh, buy shares in an English company uh, and that English company owns ships. We deal only in merchant ships, uh, and within merchant ships, we deal only in what we call generic ships. When we say generic, what we mean is commoditized. We mean ships uh, of which there are hundreds of any given type, so that when we deal with such a ship, uh, it's a very transparent market. And the investors themselves, which I think is quite comforting for them, can check those values and those earnings pretty much on a daily basis if they wanted to. And how many ships are in the portfolio? The number of ships in the portfolio will obviously depend upon the amount of equity ultimately raised. We deal in modern ships, and they can cost anything from $50 million to more than $100 million apiece, because we always deal in dollars, by the way. We would normally have something like 70% gearing, so $30 million of equity buys us one ship, maybe two. But aren't ships like cars? I mean, don't they depreciate in value? So how can an investor expect to beat the equity markets if a ship will depreciate over time? Our ships do indeed depreciate. 25 is, from accounting perspective, is the life of a ship. But within those 25 years, your earnings are so high and your residual value at such a level that your IRR exceeds the IRR that you would, would have made in the equity markets. And can you explain the tax benefits of investing in ships? We don't, as it were, uh, propose shipping because it's tax effective. Uh, however, within the UK and in other European jurisdictions, we have something called the tonnage tax. And the tonnage tax was introduced, interestingly, by John Prescott some years ago to encourage the maintenance of, of a maritime industry in the UK. Uh, what it does is it effectively allows an onshore company to compete with an offshore company by allowing the company... Uh, which owns ships, to pay corporation tax based on the tonnage of the ship. What that means is that the, effectively the corporation tax of the company is minimal. The company operates within a tax-free ring fence. So for the British taxpayer, for example, who is a shareholder, he has the equivalent of an ISA. And Tony, you claim that shipping over the last 20 years has outperformed some of the equity indices. Could you explain why and how? Shipbuilding 25 years ago and more was a subsidized business, particularly in Europe. We therefore had an oversupply of ships in the market at the same time as we had relatively modest growth in demand for those ships. What we've had in recent years and what we see developing into the future is non-subsidized shipbuilding. Uh, shipbuilding is barely keeping up with the demand the growth of the urbanizing and industrializing economies like China are so important to the shipping business that we are enjoying above-trend growth, which we expect to see well into the future. 
That was Ellen Kelleher talking to Anthony Foster of Marine Capital. And for more on quirky, uncorrelated investments, see Ellen's article in FT Money on the 9th and 10th of February. Coming up, we have good news and bad news on the sterling euro exchange rate. Before that, though, ethical or green investment. Shares in clean energy companies still have high valuations in relation to their actual profits. So stock market volatility has led some analysts to wonder if a fall in the oil price might burst their hydrogen bubble. But as regulation boosts demands for their clean energy products, can the so-called green chip investments outperform the blue chips or the environmentally unfriendly brown chips of the FTSE 100? John McLeod of Investors Chronicle put these and other questions to Alex Davies from advisor Hargreaves Lansdowne. So Alex, this theme of climate change has been quite an important one for the investment community and there have been a number of fund launches in the last six months or so. By the end of this month we would have seen six launches in this area, some of them from some, some key investment groups, FNC, Schroeder, HSBC, Virgin, Allianz and Impacts will all have launched climate change funds by, by the end of February. There's sort of several drivers behind this, one of which is the high oil price is a uh, and, and a need for us to find alternative energy. That is certainly one, one aspect of these funds. Equally is the drive from the EU and from the world generally to find alternative energies. We're looking to cut emissions by 20% by 2020 just in, in the EU. All of these are drivers for companies to make changes to, to, or to produce products that are able to, to combat the effects of climate change. In terms of share price of clean energy companies, would, it, would mm. you say there's a loss of the growth that's already priced in there? In some cases, certainly. I think uh, if you look at the Allianz Fund, I think their portfolio currently trades on a 4P of about 24 times. I mean, there's definitely considered that to sort of be slightly expensive, perhaps. But that is a technology fund, ultimately, and, and a growth area. And a growth fund, you do tend to have nat- naturally have higher PEs. But, um, yeah, some of it's already priced in. That doesn't necessarily mean there isn't further to go. I think that is, this is a long-term trend. I don't think that it's um, – and like any sort of trend, it's bound to experience ups and downs, volatility over the short term. Over the long term, I would say over 20 years or, or more, this is, I think, is, is a trend that is going to develop. So do you think that in a bear market scenario, these share prices might be hit? The answer is I think, yes, all these ones could be affected by short-term volatility. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be. Um, but equally, because of what they're investing, if, if everything does continue as, as things are at the moment, there is so, there's such a push behind climate change, they could buck that trend. That was John McLeod talking to Alex Davies from Hargreaves Lansdowne. And for John's article on clean energy and other green investments, look out for the Investors Chronicle on sale from the 8th of February. And finally today, it's good news, bad news on currencies and exchange rates. Uh, Steve, um, what's the good news in uh, all of this? Good news, Matthew, is, as um, people will have been aware recently, the dollar has been weak and it's still possible to get close to an exchange rate of $2 to the pound. So stateside trips, still excellent value. U.S., of course, as everyone knows, is, is generally speaking a very cheap country for many things, fuel, you know clothes, electronics, you know, there are exceptions. New York hotels are outrageously expensive and so on. But if you go over to, to New York, certainly the, the shopping experience has been a very good uh, value for money. What, what's the bad news? Is, is the situation going to change? So the bad news, Matthew, um, well, first of all, the euro, uh, the, the pound is at a record low against the euro. The euro introduced in 2002. So the entire eurozone 
in exchange rate terms is more expensive than it's than it's been since 2002. Uh, added in, uh, there are a couple of other currencies out there, the, the Australian dollar, the Canadian dollar, people thinking long haul, those are at multi-year lows against the, um, the pound is a multi-year low against those currencies as well. And the dollar, this, this, uh, the US dollar, which is, of course, the, the $2 pound that everyone's really enjoyed over the last year, shopping trips in New York and so on. Currency experts now say as the UK follows the US into economic slowdown, that exchange rate balance is going to change. And we could see an exchange rate more like $1.80 this year, which would be back to more traditional norms. And therefore, holiday costs would be more expensive for Brits. Now, all of us on FT Money like to think that we're fairly savvy. And yet... uh a number of us seem to be heading off to Europe on various trips. Charlene, you're off to off to France next yeah. next week. Um, is that going to be quite as uh, cost effective as it once was? <laughs> well, luckily the flights are still dirt cheap, so that's some uh, comfort. But uh, yeah, it's going to cost a bit more. Um, so I think really now we're we're looking at um, paying seventy five p for a euro, and and that in real money, of course, is about an exchange rate of 135 one pound equals one euro 35 definitely lower um than when we've been over there in the past so i guess we'll be uh, paying a bit more for our pan au chocolat indeed but i'm sure it'll still be uh, it'll, it'll still be worth it well if you'd like to know more about the impact of uh, these exchange rate movements on the costs of holidays and costs of travel um, have a look out for steve's article in uh, ft money with the weekend ft on the 9th and 10th of february <laughs> we have time for in this week's FT Money Show. Remember, you can email your views and your questions to ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com and we'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. Until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Steve and Charlene. Goodbye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.